You may be seated. The scripture this morning, we are still in the book of Luke. We're in chapter 12, verse 13 through 21. Maybe. Give you guys time to find it in your... There we go. It was all planned the whole time. All righty. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to judge or arbitrate over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger barns. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In order to put a little bit more perspective on this passage that I just read, I'm going to back us up just a little bit. To really get the point of the question of the man in this crowd and the point of Jesus' response, it's really important to understand what Jesus has been saying before this point. Chapter 12 opens with a gathering of thousands of people to hear Jesus speak. Verse 1 says that there are so many people gathered that they are trampling on one another just to get close enough to hear his words. In the first part of the conversation, Jesus was reminding the people to be wary of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. The Pharisees said one thing, and they did another. The Pharisees went around in a large, to get a large charge out of telling people that they're sinning for not following the laws of Scripture. And then they'd go back into secret and do the things that they had just condemned others for doing. In the earlier verses of this chapter, Jesus also spoke out against greed. Then he receives this question from the crowd. Actually, it wasn't even a question, but a request, even a command. I have to imagine this being one of those times when Jesus is just baffled at what he hears coming out of the mouths of human beings. I imagine that the Son of Man wanted to just slap his forehead with his palm or just stare, stare blankly back at this person with dead shark eyes in disbelief. Like when a parent tells a child not to do something, and before the parent can draw a new breath, the child is back at it again. 
or when the teacher explains the instructions, when you finished your exam, please turn in your paper, return to your seat and sit quietly. No one can leave until all the papers are in. Can I go to the library when I'm done with my exam? What did I just say? That was perfect. Well done. Who was that? We're, go we're going on the road. Presumably the man was standing close enough to hear because he was close enough to ask his question. So clearly he had just not been listening to what Jesus was actually saying. He was so clearly wrapped up in what he was concerned with that the words of God were just flying right over his head. This is not a fair question to Jesus. It is a greedy question, and it, attempts, and it is an attempt to bait him. Similar, similarly to those that the Pharisees and the Sadducees had thrown up at him in the past. Jesus turns this into yet another teaching moment and tells the parable of the rich fool. Jesus explained to the man who had posed this question and to the rest of the crowd that they need to have faith that God will provide what they need and that they should not store up what they had, letting it go to waste and keeping it from others that may need it. Although Jesus' example is that of barns and grains, this extends to us in regard to a great many things. Material goods and money, yes, but also our time, our prayers, and the gifts and graces bestowed upon us by God. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement within the Church of England, had more than a few things to say about saving and wealth. In 1760, in his sermon, The Use of Money, he used three points to illustrate his understanding of Christ's words. He said, we should earn all we can so that we can save all we can so that we can give all we can. To break it down further on what he meant, years later in 1787, he also wrote that if you make 30 pounds in a year and you were able to live off of 28, at the end of the year, give the last two away. And at the end, and the next year, if you made 60 pounds, you know you can live off of 28. So you give away 32, and so on. Wesley did not think poorly of the wealthy, nor did he think that money was evil, but he knew Jesus' words, and he knew that the wealth would be better spent caring for those who needed the help rather than storing it up and letting it go to waste. By putting what we have to good use now, we are ensuring that God's will that all people are taken care of is fulfilled. By putting what we have to good use now, we strengthen the faith of others that their prayers are being answered. Jesus wants us to have faith that God will provide what we need. Jesus doesn't want us to be bothered with that, with, excuse me, with what we are going to eat or what clothes we are going to wear. We must have faith that God will provide what we need. Remember, though, that what we need and what we want are often two different things. 
In the current culture of instant gratification, often we find ourselves blending that line between need and want just a little too much. I know I'm guilty of it myself. Just as in our society today, certain brand names equal a level of class, so did certain fabrics and colors back then. Purple was a royal color. Only the wealthiest could afford purple. In the midst of back-to-school shopping, as I was saying to the kids earlier, I started to think and remember back to the times when some people had brand-name clothes and others had whatever was on special at Kmart that week. The pressure that was put on children because they didn't have the word lucky printed on their jeans or Abercrombie and Fitch on their shirts was palpable. Doc Martin boots were also pretty popular back in the 1990s. I couldn't afford a pair of any of those, honestly. The focus was taken from education and turned into worry about not fitting in. When we worry about what we are going to eat and what we are going to wear, we distract our minds and our souls from faithfully walking with Jesus Christ. We distract ourselves from knowing that God will take care of us. Our worries over material goods and our worries over our own selves causes some self-righteousness in our asking of God. Just like the man who commanded Jesus to tell his brother to split the inheritance. First of all, we don't have the whole story of this man's family. Jewish laws of inheritance were quite complicated. We don't know if the man was the older or the younger brother. We don't know what other endeavors the inheritance was expected to take care of, but this man was looking out for himself. When we ask God for something in our self-righteousness, it never occurs to us that we might be wrong. So often when we ask God for something, it's I, I, I. The man in the parable was concerned over what he would do with his things. I need bigger barns so that I can save up all my grain for myself. What would happen if in our prayers we started saying, we, we, and started concerning ourselves with the well-being of other people as a whole body of Christ? Unlike the beliefs of many, including the ancient Egyptians, you can't take it with you. That which we collect and which we store stays right here when our souls leave our earthly bodies. Bigger and better is fine and wonderful when it's being used to fulfill the will of God. Having excess is fine when we use it to bring the kingdom of God closer to the people around us. It is when we become greedy that it starts to become a problem. It is when we start deciding who and what is worthy of our stuff that brings, that our souls begin to, to suffer. If nothing else sits with you from this sermon, hear this. Self-worth has nothing to do with material possessions or money in the bank. So often we think of ourselves or even about our congregation that if only we had more if only I could get this, if only I could go there, if only we had mem 
more members, if only, if only. We have self-worth because we are children of God. We have self-worth because no matter how many barns of grain we may have or holes in the soles of our shoes we may have, we are made in God's image and we are loved and we are cared for. So we need not worry. We need not worry about storing up because God will provide. We do not have to worry about earthly wealth because our treasure is in heaven. So we earn all we can so that we can save all we can so that we can give all we can. And so that we do not worry, because we have faith in our Creator. Amen.